BET, The SAG Awards, College Hill, Little Kim, Baldwin Hills, Keisha Cole. Any of those things sound familiar? Well, my guest is here, and we're going to talk about it. She's connected next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live, breaking into... Hello, welcome to another edition of Black Hollywood Lies Breaking Into. I am your host, James Law Jr. You can follow me on all social media platforms at James Law Jr. Not senior, that's my father. And my guest today, I mean, I'm in the presence of greatness. My guest was a senior director of corporate communications. I'm making sure I get this correct, all her credits, correct, for BET. Her stamp was all over the network, of course. She was also the account executive of several publications firms before becoming president and CEO of the Front Page Firm here in Los Angeles. She's also a member of several organizations, such as the TV Academy, Entertainment Public Publicist, Professional Society, makes sure I say that five times fast, National Association of Multi-Ethnicity and Communications, I like that, just to name a few, my beautiful guest, my talented guest, strong woman, Tasha Witten Griggs. Thank you so much for having me, James. Really welcome. appreciate being here with you. Today. Yes, welcome. You're such a nice person, too. I just want people to say it, because in this business, being nice, I think people should be nice. Nice should be the norm, and you're one of them. That's very sweet of you to say. I appreciate it. it just, it's, just, it's, uh, it's just so Okay, so let's just start out, first of all, with what is PR? I mean, people, people throw it around. People say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm talking to PR people all the time because, you know, I do this, this, this uh, you know, booking people. So in your, in your experience, what is PR? From my perspective, PR is utilizing now various platforms to get your messages out. If that's your client, yourself, your product, utilizing mass media to get those messages out and, frankly, to influence some end goal, whether that's sales, whether it is awareness, whether it's ratings, all of the activities targeted toward mass media are meant to bring awareness and ultimately a positive outcome in those environments. Has social media's prominence made it easier for you or more work? (laughs) It has added another layer to it. In some ways, it is easier because it provides direct access to uh, an audience without the middleman. The media for, you know, many years was a a middleman or a gatekeeper of sorts. And so if you were unable to influence media to tell your story, there were few opportunities outside of paid media um, to disseminate those messages uh, or to influence your end audience. And with the advent of social media and the popularity and how you know invasive and pervasive it is now in society, you can directly influence on a one-to-one or one-to-many basis um, through social media. And there are some folks who are really leveraging it in some exciting ways. Exactly. That's one thing I was wondering because I, you know, I'm on all social media, as I've said, I am a whore. I am on there promoting everything in the world that I do. I do 10 million things. I'm working it out. We are not going to call you that, but okay, yes, well. we'll just say you're a skilled strategist in okay. the social media um, landscape. Oh my God, that sounds great. That's why I need you. Right, that sounds great. Okay, so I'll take that as social strategist. I do that. Um, but I mean, I'm on there, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, it is a lot of work, and there's, there's I mean, 
But can it be, are there creative ways of doing it? Because, you know, Twitter has 140 characters, but you can't do some video and pictures on there, and then, you know, Instagram does pictures. So are there creative ways to really stand out these days? Absolutely. And it's really um, figuring out how to uniquely tell your story utilizing the tools afforded in that medium. So whether it's 140 pithy, you know, attention-getting characters, or if it's creating a video that resonates because it's... I'll move your phone a little bit. Oh, sorry. sorry. Because of its quirkiness or uniqueness. Um, Very powerful medium in the social media space where also attention spans are shortened. Yes, they are. That is the challenge and the opportunity in terms of influencing using that particular medium. It's not a place where you can really tell a full story, but it is a place where you can get some excitement and awareness and perhaps encourage someone to tap into the full story. Because mm, that's because people think, well, let's yeah. go on Twitter. And it's like, well, also Twitter, so many people on it, it could just be lost in the, the 140 senten- the sentences, just be lost. It can, and then there is the possibility of backlash. And if you don't oh. use it appropriately, as successful as you can be in that environment, you can be detrimental to mm. whatever your end goal is if you don't use it wisely. Mistakes in that environment can be very costly. Well, we see that all the time, obviously, yeah. from the Twitter. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that's on both ends. That's on you guys as PR people and then them as themselves. Absolutely. Because, I mean, how do you know people who, like, they, they, there are a lot of folks are, are really, that are celebrities or heads of things that are on Twitter. It's I mean, true. they're literally on there. Themselves, yeah. Themselves. I mean, some folks have people who do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe them. But there's some folks who are on there, and they say things all the time. So, I mean... How do you deal with that as a PR person when your clients is like... (laughs) It can be very challenging, and especially if that person is very provocative in terms of the content that they put out there, good or bad. Um, You know, it can sometimes be a lightning rod to having really important conversations. A great example of someone uh, that I work with who is so very savvy and and brilliant at how he uses his social media platform is Roland Martin. Oh, yeah, Roland. Uh, Roland Roland, yeah. Huge numbers, really uses it as an environment to either continue conversations or spark discussions, um, leverages it on behalf of his television platform and his writing platforms. At the same time, even someone as skilled and as savvy as Roland can have challenges in the social media environment if something they say is misinterpreted um, or taken contextually outside of maybe his intent. Um, so it's it's a place, it's the wild, wild west of this era. Yeah, it is. It really is. It is. And I just thought, because I'm saying you've been in business for a while, you're seeing as this as each of these, well, each social media platform is evolving all the time. And now there's Snapchat, and now there's and Periscope. And it's, I mean, it's like, it's getting so personalized that I'm sure for PR people, yeah. it's a great blessing because, like you said, you can actually have a periscope party or do this and other ways to do it. But then also it's could be a curse maybe because it's like there's people live saying things. It, it really can. And I and I really admire and take my hats off to um, 
folks who have really drilled down and focused on it. It really is kind of its own thing. Um, If you're in the space of public relations, you should have some awareness of basic strategy in that space. But there are experts who truly know that environment inside and out. They understand how to leverage it. They understand what works in the space. They understand um, maybe by by trial and error um, in most cases uh, since they're is now more information out there about how to leverage it and how to work it. But a lot of the experts in the space now have either grown up with it or have really through trial and error figured out what works and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, hats off to them because it is truly a specific skill set within our, you know, profession. Yeah. Now, what should people look for in representation? In representation, you really need to look for someone that, number one, you trust as an expert in whatever field that it is you're trying to get into. One size does not fit all in the public relations environment. So, for example, if you're someone who is looking to break into television, for example, don't go get a music publicist. They're not going to really be able to help you in quite the same way. They may not have the same relationships. They may not understand um, the different pitch strategies Mm, in terms of breaking through in that environment. Um, If you're looking to uh, launch a book or a consumer Mm. product, then in entertainment publicists, unless they have publishing in their background, may not be the best fit for you. Interesting. Okay. Um, Okay. An event or an award show publicist may not be the best person to, you know, launch your uh, your product line, you know, your fashion product line. I mean, there really are areas of expertise in each one of these spaces with their own, you know, quirks, their own protocols, um, you know, relationships within that space, not only with the press that are covering that space, but oftentimes there are other influencers that are important mm-hmm. to the space that if you don't know them or you aren't aware or you don't understand how to research and cultivate relationships with or find these people, you may be paying someone who simply doesn't have the expertise to really get you where you're trying to go. Makes sense, because like if I say, okay, you know, Tasha, I got a book I'm going to release. I mean, I would come to you and you would say, yes, I have that experience. I've had books published, or I've gotten to people, or, mm-hmm. or I have a book published already. You could say, yes. James, I've had this things before. I can get you on KTLA in the morning. And this, I mean, I have people I know in different segment producers. and mm-hmm. So you need to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about in that field. That's one thing. You need to make sure that they're not just saying what you want to hear. Mm. Um, Oftentimes, people gravitate to or maybe express an affinity for people who say things that are flattering or that they really want to hear. The best publicist is the person who's not afraid to tell you, no, we're not going to get into the Wall Street Journal at this point. Mm. But let me tell you, if that's your goal... Here are the steps we're going to take, and there are different milestones along the way and things that we'll have to achieve together in order to really prepare you and make you worthy of a Wall Street Journal or to really make you a subject that the Wall Street Journal would be interested in versus the person who's going to say, oh, absolutely, I can do that. (laughs) When you don't really have, at this juncture, what it takes 
for that to be a realistic goal at this time. I love that because I want somebody to tell me what's going on so that I can so the, so they don't tell me yesterday's we'll get you we'll get you yeah. to the SAG Awards and then I'm waiting for two, three years and I'm pissed because I'm Absolutely. not there yet. Absolutely. When they could have been telling me, okay, well, James, we do this, do this, right. try this, mm-hmm. we'll get there. And then in two Absolutely. years, I'm there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all a process. And so the best, you know, publicist or PR professional is going to take the time to sit down with you, learn what your goals are, um, create a realistic roadmap to getting you there um, and a realistic timeline. I like that. Um, and then work with you as a partner, which means that partner may not always tell you exactly what you want to hear. Yes, they should help motivate you. Yes, they should assist you in terms of helping you with tools and strategies, but they should not be your yes person. They should truly be the person who will tell you that outfit does not look good on camera. We need to change. Um, no, that from a style standpoint does not work for you um this outlet is not a good target but let me tell you what would be five or six good targets for us to focus on at this juncture that will lead to the big get that you're really looking because i know people sometimes that we we all have done it we just have this thought i want to be here i want to do this yes and you're thinking and and in some ways the bigger picture someone says well that really isn't. You th- I know you think you want that, mm-hmm. but what you're showing me is you should go this. Mm-hmm. We get stubborn sometimes. Yeah, and here's something else that I'll say. Um, look for someone who is well respected, well thought of by folks in the industry and by one of your external audiences, which is press, and someone who is respectful. Um, I like that. There is a phenomena that happens, particularly in Hollywood, uh, within the PR community, where there is a group or a type of PR professional kind of working in the business who somehow finds it necessary to be less than respectful to folks that perhaps they feel like they're superior to or they don't need anything from or they simply just don't know. Um, and so I think if you're evaluating someone, um, it should be someone who is responsive, who, uh, is respectful, you know, and as kind to others as Mm -hmm. possible given circumstances. There are times when you have to be firm on behalf of a client. However, um, it should never be disrespectful. Um... And so those are some some of those intangibles. I'm glad you bring that up because I just again like people. I think people should be nice. There's no reason to be. It's, being firm is one thing. Yes. But there's a way to be firm mm-hmm. and be professional about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's a kind way mm-hmm. and a respectful way to say no if yeah. no is yes. required. There um, is one more thing you know, that um, that I would suggest and, and I would counsel. If your publicist um, or PR professional that you're evaluating um, counsels you to not tell the truth, mm. um, you don't have to tell everything. No, of course not. But it shouldn't ever be a lie because the reality is um, telling... Um, as much of the truth as is appropriate in the situation is always the right idea. 
It's funny. We were we were talking about Prince. Of course, we were big, mm-hmm. both fans of Prince. And I had said um, in his passing on on air in the show, I said. Prince always was searching for his truth, and it was mm-hmm. through his music mm-hmm. and his actions. And it was like, he's this big philanthropist, and we didn't know. I'm like, that was kind of the point. He let little bits out here and there, but right. it was just like, here's my music. I'm telling you my story and stuff yes. through music. That's right. I'm into Jehovah and all these things he was into, That's but it wasn't right. thrown at you. It was just like, here's my, here's my art. That's true. And when he That's did, true. and when he did, um, guest appearances and, and talk shows, he was like, the, like oh, he's really talkative and he's friendly and he's like this kind of, you know, regular guy seemingly. It's like, yeah. well, that's kind of the truth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And though he was very private, um, you know, you're right. He spoke very loudly and in volumes through his work. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to really allow that in many cases to really speak for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something and a legacy that we'll always have. And he was a master at utilizing images and words and really theater to generate interest and to really control the narrative around his music and the projects that he was passionate about. I always think, I always think of him, as I age myself, the 80s. I think of him and Madonna, both of them. Yes. As people, and there are people who were with them, obviously, along the way. Mm-hmm. They were people who challenged race, gender, Absolutely. sexuality, uh, feminism, you know, all color, everything, all the isms. <laughs> and, and it worked. And it, and it worked it because did. it was one of those things where they had good PR people, so like two with them yes. along the way to help filter out, like you said, the narrative of their of their work in their lives. But a very innate sense of what would work for them as well. Mm-hmm. Because I can't imagine that anyone ever told him to go buy a symbol. That right. was his I brainchild. Know. Know. And it was so brilliant because people were like, okay, what's up with this guy? Oh, so now all of a sudden he's a symbol. But he was really making a very bold statement mm-hmm. without words about a situation happening in the industry where he was not in control of his name and likeness fully. And so in order to take that control back, he said, well, I just won't call myself that. I'm going to call myself something you can't even pronounce because it doesn't have words. Mm -hmm. It was brilliant. (laughs) It was brilliant. Just completely brilliant. And people start calling him the artist. Yeah. Like, yeah. He is the artist, but it was like, he was the it was like it's, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, so briefly, the SAG Awards. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. how did you get involved with them? I mean, there must be a. I mean, it's about being busy during that time period. I'm sure. Award season can oh be quite the marathon and oh. quite the race, and something requiring quite a bit of stamina and uh, and endurance. But I was really introduced to the world of award show PR, um, you know, by a woman who mentored me very okay. early in my career, Marilyn Crawford. Um, If you're listening, Marilyn, shout out. Hi, Marilyn. She um, did publicity for the Trumpet Awards. Oh, okay. I'll try Started by Ms. Zernona Clayton, another just titan of the industry Mm. and living legend, um, African-American woman who had so many firsts in the world of television and who served at the right hand of, and many say, kept in line <laughs> at yes. some point, um, Ted Turner. Okay. Uh, she started the Trumpet Award. She was very much, you know, down with Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. and the whole civil rights movement. And yeah. so working for Marilyn Crawford, um, who introduced me to the world of uh, award show PR, for a woman like Zernona Clayton, who, um, you know, is known for her exacting standards, 
but also known for giving opportunities to young African Americans um, and putting them in positions that perhaps uh, they may not have been placed in had they been in another environment yeah. and giving folks an opportunity to just really show what they could do. And so in it was in that environment that I had my first opportunity to actually wow. do PR on an award show. I worked with Marilyn on that show for three years uh, before I, you know, began in earnest my work in the agency space um, and began working with consumer brands and, uh, you know, did a lot of PR for Microsoft, launching Mm -hmm. websites and, you know, You got to come back to the show. We got more talk. We got so much more to talk about. You have so much experience. Um, and eventually that led me to an opportunity to be able to launch BET.com. Yeah. Um, when I went to BET.com, um, the network was at the um, kind of crossroads of wanting to create um, an industry-defining award show. So the network started with the 20th anniversary celebration. And there had been some other projects like Walk of Fame Mm. that was on a a much more intimate scale. But um, basically, BET set out at that time to create kind of the black Oscars um, for music and, of course, added some other categories, um, but really focused on the music. And... um, and I was a part of that launch team. Wow. Um, and that really, for me, took um, the experience that I had at the Trumpet Awards and, you know, working on that established show prepared me to then be a part of that launch team that established what has now become the top award show yeah. in cable. Yeah. Okay, I asked my, I asked my, the last thing you have to do before we have to go, my last thing I ask every single guest these same two questions. I don't, I don't tell them in advance what they are. So I, w- I want your first responses when I ask you these two questions. Okay. It's about language. And you have beautiful language. You were talking about the things, a lot of the words you use I really enjoy. Um, in our English language, what words should we take out of our vocabularies or not say anymore? Mm. Wow. That is a really interesting question. Thank you. Thank you. What should we remove? Mm -hmm. There is a word that I really don't like to hear and I never like to use. Not because it's overused, but simply because it indicates a thought that I really don't believe in because I believe everything is possible and that's can't. Mm -hmm. Um, Good one. You know, that is definitely a word that if I had my druthers, I would say we should get rid of because Perfect. it removes possibilities. I agree with that. I totally agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, we talk ourselves out of stuff, and I think we should, that's one of the words we use, talk ourselves out of something. It's true. Uh, and then and the, on the converse, what word do you think we should say more of or bring back into our vocabularies? Please and thank you. I love it. <laughs> I'm a grammar. I'm, I mean, I'm a polite. I'm all about politeness yes. and grand manners. Please and thank you. So underutilized in today's society. Everything is now. Everything is instant gratification. I want, I need, I want, I need. Gotta have, Mm -hmm. must have, mine, Mm -hmm. mine, mine. Mm -hmm. 
We need a little more please and thank you. I like that. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on my show. And I'm so pleased to be here. And now tell folks out there where they can actually find you if they want to talk to you or look at your stuff on social media. or. You know, oh, sure. Stuff. I am on social media, and you can find me at Tosh W. Griggs. Get at me on Facebook um, at Tasha Whitten Griggs. And um, yeah, on Instagram and Twitter, mm-hmm. I'm Tosh W. Griggs. Yes. Check me out. And of course, you have a Breaking Into page on Facebook. Go ahead and you'll find this interview and others and continue the conversation. Find us on YouTube and iTunes under BlackHollywoodLive.com. Breaking Into, you can follow me at James Lodge Jr. all over the world. Or if you're near a Starbucks here in Hollywood, who knows? And I will see you next time. Thanks for watching. Thank you, James. It has been such a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.